and we have been following this week the story of 15 refugees who've been kept in hotel detention here in Darwin for a year now as they wait for medical attention they were supposed to receive back in 2019. The matter has made its way up to the federal parliament where Labor MP Luke Gosling, the member for Solomon, spoke about the conditions some of the refugees have had to endure while living here. What really saddened me as well is the unnecessary um, meanness, I guess, of not giving the mother and the father of this one particular family a double bed. They gave them bunks um, and, you know, the father has a, a sore knee and it's hard to get up and down the bunks. And it's just, it's, it's not decent behaviour and it's not behaviour I think a lot of Territorians uh, would be happy with. Luke Gosling went on to explain that even if the refugees are allowed to enter our community, they still won't be allowed to settle in Australia. They are in limbo and in COVID times um, that the process of getting them to Canada to be resettled uh, has been slowed down. But that is why the Minister has identified the need to um, transfer people into community detention in Melbourne and Brisbane. We're simply asking for that to occur here whilst they wait for this process of being resettled in Canada. So why can't these people join our community permanently as many other refugees have? What is the resettlement process and how normal is this situation? Dr Sangeetha Pillay is a Senior Research Associate at the Caldor Centre for International Refugee Law. I spoke to her earlier and asked her why the law has left these refugees in such limbo. So since 2013, Australia's had a policy that um, people who arrive by boat seeking asylum will never be permanently settled in Australia, even if they're found to be genuine refugees. And so that policy affected pretty much everybody that um, didn't already have a permanent protection visa at the time that this that that this policy change came came into effect. For pretty much the, the overwhelming majority of people that have arrived since 2014 have either been turned back at sea or have been sent to regional processing countries um, with no prospect of being permanently settled in, in Australia. And so the, the cohort of people in um, the 15 people in hotel detention at, at Darwin at the moment were people who were sent to regional processing um, in, in Nauru and were um, sent back to Australia for medical treatment, but specifically for the purpose of medical treatment. So the idea is once they've had that treatment, they'll be sent back to, to Nauru. They don't have the option of being um, settled in the Australian community. Do you understand why it is that they haven't been sent back to Nauru for many of them who are struggling with the restriction on their freedoms and, and having been locked up in a hotel for 12 months? Some of them are saying they'd actually prefer to go back to Nauru. Do you know why that hasn't happened? Um. No, I, I don't. And I believe that there's a forthcoming case that um, seeks to test the, that's been filed in the federal court this week, um, that will test whether it's legal that they've been in detention all of this time, despite some people having asked to be returned to, to Nauru. When a person's held in detention, that can, while Australia does have a policy of mandatory detention and while that can in some circumstances be indefinite, the detention still needs to be for a purpose. So it either needs to be while a person's waiting for a visa application, um, which can't really happen now for people that come by boat because they're not allowed to 
apply for protection in Australia. It can be um, while we're waiting to find somewhere to remove a person to if they're not going to be given protection in Australia and it can be while they're waiting for medical treatment. But even when they're waiting for medical treatment, the ultimate purpose is removal once the treatment has been given. And so mm. what the court hasn't looked at is this question of if the treatment hasn't been given, but it's been a long time, um, whether anything can be done to, to to kind of question the legality of of the detention or the length of the detention, particularly in circumstances where some people have actually said, just send me back to, yeah. to Nauru. So um, watch this space. <laughs> and, and this is certainly the complicated legal picture that we've heard from the lawyers for the refugees this week. Something that was touched on yesterday when we spoke to Federal Member uh, for Solomon, Luke Gosling, he said that a third country option was somewhere like the United States, but that mm. uh, the United States doesn't recognise Iranians as genuine refugees. Was that is that a part of the story? Could somewhere like the United States or Canada, where there's a group of expats pushing for uh, refugees detained in Australia to to be resettled in in Canada, are there options for those for resettlement in those countries? You know, beyond PNG and Nauru. Um, it's not clear on the fact. Like generally, yes. Like g generally, if a person is um, like for people that are in detention that haven't come from PNG or, or Nauru, then certainly um, they can, pe people in that category where they're not settled in Australia, they can be sent to any other country in the world. Um, the face of the Migration Act seems to suggest that for people that have been transferred here for medical treatment from PNG or Nauru, like what you would, what would happen is that they would be transferred back to PNG or Nauru, but there's a lot of scope for um, exceptions to be made under ministerial discretion. And so it's entirely possible that a different arrangement could be, could be if a different arrangement was reached politically, then um, that that could apply to, to people in this category. This is, this is a lot of um, legal talk, <laughs> uh, which is obviously what governs what happens to yeah. um, refugees, asylum seekers who come to Australia. But I mean, it, it, you've painted a picture of a lot of uncertainty. Uh, the question of the limbo that these uh, mm. these people are in doesn't seem any what resolved by what you've described in terms of the Migration mm. Act. What do you make of this situation? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Like the um, the provisions I've just described and um, the like the, the contents of the, the provisions of the Migration Act as they apply to refugees that have come by boat um, since 2013, whether they've been sent to, to regional processing or not is one of ongoing, of ongoing limbo. And that's really in conflict with um, Australia's obligations under, under international refugee law. Australia is a signatory to the, to the refugees convention and um, in in having signed and ratified the Refugees Convention, it's taken on, Australia has taken on the obligation to aim to provide safe and permanent and, and durable protection for people that are found to be to be genuine refugees. And policies that deny permanent protection, keep people in temporary protection or, um, you know, transport them between um, between Australia and, and regional processing countries without a, a clear answer to where they'll, they'll end up, um, and that in some circumstances even allow people to be sent back to the very country that they're seeking persecution from, like all of that 
it flies in in the face of the the international obligation to provide to provide a safe and permanent home for people that are that are um, fleeing persecution. So yes, it does keep people in limbo, and um, and it really doesn't fit nicely with international law as a result of that. Dr. Sangeetha Pillay, there, senior research associate at the Caldor Centre for International Refugee Law.